Let's get it. Tremendous Thursday to you. What's going on? My name is Jim Rome. Lots and lots of show. Tremendous show. So let me tell you all about it. About it. I want to get you involved. Here's how I want to get you involved. Telephone number is toll free. 1-800-636-8686. Yes, it is still beef day. Thursday in season, beef season, is always a beef day. That has not changed. If you're wondering about the beef segment, it is the top of our number three. Generally, that's where I like it to live. So it works out today. 1-800-636-8686. Now listen, the thing about the beef segment is, you don't want to start dialing right now. But because of the beef segment, it's the rare day where you can get on the air twice. Normally, we don't allow that. It worked for Dave and Tustin Ranch. In fact, he was able to successfully do it twice and was so good at it twice, I let him call a third time where he flamed out. But my point is this. If the beef segment is at the top of hour number three, you can participate normally before then and then be in the beef segment. That's a win. You could get racked twice in one day. So keep that in mind. If you have a beef on anything at all, top of hour number three, one 636 8686 You want to hit me up on the X platform at Jim Rome. Update there. Had a very good Zoom call with some members of the X team yesterday. We are working it. We are working it. I've got some Zoom business and some X business that I'm working on right now. So you can follow me on the X platform at Jim Rome. Beef that way. Hit the show on that format. Or you can hit me up on email, as you know, Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitate.com. The interviews that we have include two good names. The winner of the Daytona 500, William Byron, 940. Second hour is wide open. Last segment of the show today, a legend, Bruce Bochy. Boach is back, manager of the Texas Rangers. Also, after the program, for those of you that are into the JR Pod, Jim Rohn Podcast, we did not push one out yesterday. Yeah, I don't know, that, that was weird. Sometimes you take an air the wrong way. It's all good. We did not push one out yesterday, and thanks for acknowledging that, Alvin. I was hoping I could ignore that and nobody would pick up on it. Thanks, Alvy. Anyway. My bad, my friend. I'm uh, sorry. like, yeah, dude, because nobody was going to hear you go. Oh. That was Alvin's jungle Tourette's. It's all right, Alvy. I get it. What I'm trying to say is no JR pod yesterday because we are having it today. And we are having it with the coach of the U.S. men's national team. Not only am I talking to my pal Greg Berhalter, I am doing so in studio. So that will push out after the program. There you have it. That's how it sets up. Now, in planning today's show, I did not plan on starting with this. This is a little unusual. But I do have to throw some credit to a pretty unlikely source. I have to throw some credit to one of the more polarizing yet compelling figures in all of sports, at least in recent years. A man fondly referred to you and famously once referred to by Seth Rollins as Johnny Idiot Face. Johnny Idiot Face. I mean, in a way, that's like so juvenile, but so good. 
And not only that he called him that, but called him that with that intensity. Johnny idiot face. Johnny idiot face. Anyway, the reason I'm starting with this, Johnny Manziel is back in the headlines because Johnny Manziel paid a visit to Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay this week. A two-plus-hour visit. And in that visit, he said a lot of things. A lot of things. And here's the shocker. Dude actually comes off pretty well. I mean, accountability may in fact be his new currency, but at least he was accountable for some of the dumb things he's done because we know he's done some of the dumbest things ever. You know, like throwing away his entire career and nearly his life. But he comes off pretty well. Johnny Idiot Face came off much more like Johnny Saving Face. Johnny effing football came off a lot more like Johnny effing accountability. I wasn't necessarily expecting to have that reaction. And you can form your own opinions since I'm going to play a bunch of it. And again, these are just clips. Clips out of context compared to a two-hour conversation. But clips nonetheless. But I will say this. The dude looks much better. He sounds much better. And he's saying the right things. Now, is he saying them because that's what people want to hear? Or is he saying them because he's done the hard work on himself, continues to do the hard work, and wants to get right? I don't know. I don't know him well enough to know. I don't know what's in his head. I don't know what's in his heart. It's also up for you to decide. But there is no debating this. Dude was dropping bombs. And some incredible bleep was coming out of his mouth. Let me start with this. An all-time one-liner. He was telling Shannon Sharp that he lost 40 pounds. And he lost 40 pounds in a really, really short period of time. 40 pounds in a period of a few months after he got released by the Browns. So he asked the question, like, how do you lose that much weight that quickly? Johnny says, easy. You go on a diet. A Bolivian marching powder diet. I was 210 pounds when I left Cleveland. I was 170 pounds sitting in Vegas that August, that September, October, whatever it was later in that year. How you lose 40 pounds? You're on a strict diet of blow. But damn, what a line. How do you lose 40 pounds? How do you lose 40 pounds? You do it on a, quote, strict diet of blow. On a strict diet of blow. Incredible line. I mean, an incredible line. Not a casual diet. Not a lenient diet. Not a party diet. Not even a steady diet. He was on a strict diet of blow. On a strict diet of blow. That will for sure take the weight off. An all-time line. I'd almost go as far as to say that is a perfect line. It's that good. How do you lose 40 pounds? By going on a strict diet of blow. A strict diet of blow. Bam. How did I do it? How did I do it? I had a blow regimen. And I stuck to it. I had a blow process. And I trusted the process. A process of blow. You're on a strict diet of blow. Incredible. But as amazing as that line was, and is, it's not what really interests me about the interview. 
in part, <laughs> because that is a pretty incredible line. But what did actually actually interest me were the parts where he sounds like he's finally in a better place. He sounds like he is finally accepted, owned, and figured some things out. It sounds like there is some ownership and accountability. Accountability for being on top of the bleeping world and setting it all on fire. Listen to what he had to say about that. I f***ed up the biggest golden opportunity that you could have ever imagined. And this is where I think whenever you said what you said about the fan-controlled football league, it is sad, Shannon. What you said on that day is exactly right. It is sad to watch a guy who had all the potential in the world, all the opportunity, all the resources and team around him, and he still goes, that. But what if I told you today that, that I don't think that I loved what I was doing enough to ever get into the mix of doing it the right way? You know, we've all said that, right? How in the world does a guy who has that much, that much, the world at his fingertips, all the resources necessary, everything around him that he needed to be the guy, bleep that up. And he just said it himself. He rephrased it himself. He asked himself that question. I mean, that sounds better, right? That dude, that dude in that response does not even sound like Johnny Manziel. He sounds like an actual adult, a responsible adult, an accountable adult, somebody who's done some work on himself, somebody who may have his act together or more so. He actually sounds like, how do I put this? When I hear that, you know what that sounds like? You know what he sounds like? Again, how do I put this? What's the word? Smart. It's almost kind of jarring. And it wasn't just that response. He actually went through and he named all the people that he regrets letting down. And it's a hell of a list. He's thrown out names like Joe Thomas, Mike Evans, Jake Matthews, LeBron, even Drake. Like, this dude has an apology for everybody. And in fact, he pretty much does owe everybody an apology. But at least he's coming around now with that apology. And again, yes, he's getting a lot of attention for his newfound accountability. Like I said, on some level, accountability, incredibly, is his new clout. And we can't actually know that he has things under control like he says he does. But he does sound and look like a different dude, which is a relief because we all know the path that he was on. In fact, people still might not quite understand how bad of a situation it was. People who are on that path sometimes don't get off that path, and they don't make it out. They don't come out the other end. As an example, I know Jerry Jones had no freaking idea how desperate that situation was because Jera wanted to draft Jonna to be his franchise quarterback and the future of the Cowboys. Jonna football. And we all know that would have been a horrific idea. How do we know that? Even Jonna football himself now admits that would have been the worst thing ever for him. If you would have put me in a landscape of, that was my backyard that I knew, you know, I had been driving from College Station up to Dallas when there wasn't nothing going on in College Station. Right. So it was something I was familiar with. I know who I was hanging around at that point in my life. And I think it would have been just an absolute disaster to the point of 
it wouldn't have been suicide that, that would have been the issue. It would have been drinking and driving. It right. would have been taking a bag from somebody you shouldn't take it from and just boom, could have been over in an instant. So I think I know myself well enough to be able to say that it would have been bad in its own right. And luckily, thankfully, you know, it didn't happen, even though at that time it's what I wanted. You know, again, saying the right things, right? So is he saying these things to get us to look at him, react to him, set up his next chapter? Or is he saying these things because he's done the hard work and he has regret and he's trying to improve and he's trying to be the best version of himself and he's trying to prevent others from making the same incredible mistakes that he made? Which is it? As always, probably yes, probably both, because you catch what he was laying down there. If he thought lighting himself and his career on fire in Cleveland was bad, imagine the damage he would have done in his own backyard. Imagine the damage he would have done in Big D. As big as a disaster as his career and life were in Cleveland, at least he's still alive to talk about it. That might not have been the case if he went to Dallas. Not my words, his. So if you get what I'm saying here, I'm not trying to paint Manziel all of a sudden out to be this kind of saint or hero because we all know he's far from it. But if the ownership is real, I appreciate it. And I'm pulling for the guy. But he wasn't the only guy that he dragged. He dragged himself, but he also had a little something for his former coach, Kevin Sumlin, which I thought was really interesting. He put him on blast for telling him to lead a cleaner life. Let me repeat that. He put Sumlin on blast for Sumlin telling Johnny back in the day to lead a cleaner, more responsible life. Johnny found that to be pretty rich. And by rich, I mean pretty hypocritical. I think where our relationship fell out a little bit is, you know, how do you have a guy who's a grown man who, I look back on this now, reflective in this. You know, how do you have a guy who's a grown man, you know, telling me what I should do? Obviously, my coach, my guy I'm looking up to, my head football coach is telling me to live a certain way and put all this party and this behind you. But if you know anything about Kevin Summons, what he's doing behind the scenes. Oh, he's partying too? So from behind, from my eyes, so you say, I'm it's hypocritical. Doing what you're doing, we're partying together. Just, what? We're a 40-40 club in New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We in the back room playing pool with Ace of Spades. We're chilling. Right. Coach is there. This is what he does. So now looking back at it, it's hypocritical to me. Pretty interesting, right? Like my dude is not what he used to be. My dude lost his spark. And the reason, he's talking about Sumlin, the reason he's not what he used to be and the reason he lost his spark is because he was doing some of the same bleep he told me to stop doing. Rich as hell. Then again, rich as hell is Johnny Manziel telling somebody else that they're not what they used to be because they're not living right. But then again, who's more qualified to say that than Johnny Manziel? And by the way, maybe he's not wrong. Where is Sumlin now? What did happen to Sumlin? He isn't what he used to be. So maybe Johnny's not wrong about that. It's just rich that Johnny is saying, hey, you, you're not living the way you should be. But then again, he can... Because he wasn't living the way he should be, and he's owning it. Again, again, I'm not making him out to be a heroic figure. 
He absolutely is still a tragic figure and a massive disappointment. I'm just saying he showed up really well for that interview. And for the first time, it sounds like, and, and here's the thing, we've been conned by others that have led us to believe that they turned over a new leaf only to get burned. We have been conned by others. Let me just say that. I'm not saying he's a con man. I'm saying we've been conned by others. But for the first time, he's showing actual, legit accountability. And he does sound much better. And he looks much better. And that's a good thing. Because the dude is still only 31. He's lived like three lifetimes. But he's only 31. And the path that he was on was only going to lead to a disaster. So hopefully he really is on a better path. Like he sounds like he is. Hopefully this Johnny effing accountability thing sticks for Johnny effing football. I need to see more. I want to hear more. But I am pulling for the dude. It's not too late. Too late for a football career that he pissed away, for sure. But not too late to live a great life and help people from making the mistakes that he made. The ultimate cautionary tale. So what do you make of what you heard? Do you buy it? Do you like it? Do you have a different opinion? Do you still hate the guy? Do you love the guy? thought that was pretty compelling. The interview itself was pretty compelling. What he had to say was pretty compelling. And I hope that he actually believes what he's saying and has a much better life going forward. 1-800-636-8686. Did not expect to start the day or the show by talking about that. Are you buying it? We know the way the world is now. We know the way content is now. We know what people do to try to get others to look at them and react to them. We know the currency of content and clout. But also, I am the guy with the reinvention project pod. So I'm open to these things. I would love to see that guy reinvent himself and bounce back. Where do you come out? I want to talk also about Philly fan. Had Johnny not come out and gone Johnny, I might have led with Philly fan. Philly fan, Philly media, Philly story, still a big thing. And Big Dom is right in the middle of it. I've got an update on that. All right, so here's a wild story. Have you seen a story about an MMAer who is going to enter the cage and every single time every MMAer enters the cage, they risk their life? These dudes are different. These gals are different. They're very different people. It is an extremely violent proposition. But how would you like to know that entering the cage, not only are you risking your life, but your girlfriend is on record as saying, if you lose, I'm out. If you lose that fight, I'm gone. I'm bouncing. And that after he took her on a shopping spree for Valentine's Day and spent 80 Five gur on her. It's actually an amazing story, which I will get into a little bit later on. I want to talk about, we spent a lot of time on this, the portal. NIL. And I've had some old school coaches on in recent weeks saying, you know what, it's hard. Now, there's opportunity, but it definitely is hard. It's the wild, wild west. It needs guardrails. We need to fix it. We need to address it. And then you have one guy, 
One young guy, Kenny Dillingham, saying, I can't believe these guys. All they do is complain about how hard it is. If it's so hard, quit. I like that energy. I like that energy. One more big story I want to hit today. The Justin Fields story. I hit on this. I gave you my take about him, quote, unfollowing the Bears and how that meant nothing. And yet so many people want to make that out to be the biggest thing of the NFL offseason. Him unfollowing the Bears. Well, he went on a pod and was asked a question directly. Why? Why did you do that? I found his answer to be extremely reasonable. And essentially kind of what I said. In part. But when he explained it and he flushed it out, it made perfect sense. And the fact that he unfollowed the team still means absolutely nothing. It means less than nothing. Like I said at the time. So I've got all of this content for you. Lots to get to. A beef segment coming up in hour number three. Keep that in mind. William Byron is the Daytona 500 champ. We'll have him in 20 minutes. Bruce Bochy, legend, 1140. Hey, do this for me. Get your phone out right now. Do it right now. Get your phone out right now. Search for the Prize Picks app. It's on my phone. It's on the phone of everybody working on this show. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. For me, it is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. I'm going to be real. I didn't play daily fantasy sports until I found the prize picks app now I do and the reason is unlike other apps on prize picks it's only you against the numbers you have just one job pick more or less more or less on two to six players and their daily stat projections you can now win up to 100 times your money 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks turn 10 bucks into 1000 bucks Quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and sports and stats. That's Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app today. Use the code Rome R O M E and get a first deposit match of up to one hundred bucks. One hundred. Who does that? That's the code Rome R O M E on Prize Picks for a deposit match of up to one hundred bucks. Prize Picks. Pick more. Pick less. It is that easy. You do have to be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. This year, Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you will have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that is Dell dot com slash deals one eight hundred six three six eight six eight six all right some quick reaction hey rome alvi better have his soundboard ready because it's going to be full of blow disco dust references and fat blast thanks to johnny manzel 
David in El Paso. You pretty much did hit for that trifecta, didn't he? Okay. No Cal Vic. Quote, I never lost any weight when I was on a strict diet of blow. Signed, Lewinsky. You're on a strict diet of blow. Different diet, Vic. You know this. Those are two different diets, Vic. You know this. Don't act confused, Vic. Two different blows, Vic. You know this. Hey, Jim. Like Johnny, I too have made mistakes. I knew I was going to regret that ham sandwich as soon as I bit into it. Mama Cass. Domineery. Like, somehow that's even worse than the Lewinsky punchline. No, I knew it was a mistake the second I saw your name below it, Dom. This guy's handle is at Tom underscore Jim Sula. L-O-L. Didn't Johnny Idiot Face hear me? Blow not good. Signed Charlie Casserly. Blow not good. No, below, not blow. Blow not good. Casserly was not saying blow isn't good. Blow not good. He said, not good. Below, not good. Not blows, not good. Below, not good. This guy writes, normal fat person. Quote, I lost weight on Diet Coke. Johnny Idiot Face. Quote, I lost weight on a Coke diet. Fee in the fee. Wow. I see what you did there. War Jeff in Richmond. Snorting sugar powdered donuts. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Say what you want about Jeff. I don't know what the big fella bends the scale at these days, but I don't think that he's blasting rails of sugar powdered donuts. I don't think anybody is. I don't think my man's out there in his luxury sled off to the side of the road with a razor blade, chopping up donuts. Donuts. And blasting rails of them. <laughs> Brian CNSP, quote, Jim. Now we know why Manziel couldn't concentrate on playing football. He got distracted with all those white lines on the field. Also, not an original line. Ethan in Buffalo. Jimmy. What's wrong with the little booger sugar? It led me to the job to revamp the Niners offense. Signed, Chris Forster. Jimmy, miss you. Thinking about you. How about me going to a meeting and doing this before I go? There's those big grains falling, but I miss you. I miss you a lot. That's actual raw tape. That's not Alvin in any way messing with that or editing that. And I don't think that that job, I don't think that blow, in fact, that booger sugar and that dancer, quote, led him to revamping the Niners offense. He was good enough at his job that he got a second chance. But I don't think Kyle goes, hey, let's take a look. Hey, good to see you, Chris. Sit down for a minute. Let me check out your credentials. Hmm. 
There is that video of you blasting rails before a meeting and turning your phone on the whole thing and sending it to that dancer. You're hired. I don't think that's how that went. Planet Wilson wants in. Hey, Jim, I can lose 40 pounds on a steady diet of blow. Or I can? Why didn't I think of that? Thanks, the Jardians lady. Hey, Wilson, you're warned. One warning. One warning only, and then you're banned. We're not talking about the JN. You know, look, I'm not even going to come down on you clones because, of course, you were going to react this way. I'm just saying I checked out that interview, and I thought it to be pretty compelling. Pretty compelling. Good content. And I was interested in what he had to say. I'm not completely sold, but I am kind of impressed. And I hope he means what he said, and I hope it works out, and I hope he lives his best life after he nearly threw it all away. He threw away his whole career. We know that. But he could have thrown away his entire life. But you clones just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you, you do you. I know I can't talk you out of doing you. All right, still ahead. The beef segment. That almost always works. Top of our number three. Bruce Bochy, 1140. When we come back, the winner of the Daytona 500, William Byron. And I've got a lot more content. A lot of other things I want to get to, including, does unfollowing your team mean anything at all in the NFL? No. No, and now we know... Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. He's not wrong. I am Jim Rome. Welcome back. Feeling good. Tremendous Thursday to you. All right. Phone lines are open. Hit us up. 1-800-636-8686. Phone calls coming up a little bit later on, but I want to get you in the rotation. Right now, though, we are joined by the driver of the number 24 for Chevrolet Camaro, Henrik Sports, Motorsports, the 2018 NASCAR Cup Series Rookie of the Year. He finished third in the Cup Series Championship last year. He won 11 Cup Series races overall, including six last year. And, of course, he was the winner of the 66th Annual Daytona 500 on Monday. NASCAR is stopping in Hampton, Georgia this week for the Am Better Health 400 Sunday at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We are joined right now by William Byron. William, appreciate the visit. Great to have you on. How are you? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on, dude. So, you've had a few days to process it. Has it fully sunk in that you are, in fact, the Daytona 500 champ? And what does the achievement represent to you? It's pretty surreal. It it feels so good. I mean, we put a lot of effort into that race every year. And obviously, it's it's one of our biggest races of the year, if not the biggest. So, it just is a great way to start the season. And we're, uh, you know, something that we'll, we'll cherish forever as a team, for sure. William Byron joining us. You know, there was that late drama Monday with the five lead changes over the final 20 laps. Your win comes under the yellow flag, which is always kind of a subjective call, right, by NASCAR. You were heard on the broadcast asking your team on the radio, did we win it? Did we win it? I'm curious, what's going through your mind, and what are you thinking as you were waiting to find out whether or not you had won your first Daytona 500? Yeah, it was honestly really nerve-wracking because it felt like an hour, you know, just waiting for them to give the word of, of who had won the race and obviously waiting on the timing of the caution. And we had the lead coming to the last three laps of the race, so 
it would have been a big disappointment not to win, but you never know how races are going to play out at Daytona. It's so unpredictable. And the, the, the pack racing at the end with us all three wide and uh, bumping each other was, was really intense. So the last few laps were pretty exciting, and um, it was a huge relief and excitement to get the word that we had won the race. William Byron joining us. You know, I'm curious. I spoke to Joey Logano about the importance of his pre-race routine and mentally getting right for a race. I talked to him a couple of days before the race. I'm sure you have your own routine. What did you and your team do to maintain your focus and your intensity when the rain pushed the race back and you had to wait another full day just to get on the track? Yeah, honestly, just tried to stay relaxed and stay cool. I, I went and saw the the Marley movie and just kind of hung out and tried to, you know, take in the day on Sunday and, and not get too anxious about the race on, on Monday. It definitely changes your routine a lot. So, uh, trying to get, you know, do some sort of workout on Sunday and just get my mind in the right place. But once we got to Monday, for whatever reason, just felt really relaxed and calm. And it was, it was nice because I felt like when we went into the race, I just had a good feeling about how we were going to, how we, the race was going to unfold and, uh, we just had to have a lot of patience throughout the event to get to the end and have a shot to win. But pretty, pretty exciting Monday for us. It was, it was really a fun race. Yeah, I bet. Right. So as impressive as winning that race is, I think it's even more so given your journey and where you started. Race fans know, but for those listening who don't know, how did you first get involved in racing when you were young? Yeah, I started really different than my peers. I didn't start out in the go kart ranks when I was six or seven years old. I. I didn't have an opportunity to, to race anything when I was younger, but I started on the computer racing on simulation and on iRacing, it's called, and learned how to drive based on, on that and then eventually was able to to get to where um, I was able to get into a real car. So very different and unique uh, experience, but something that definitely um, I feel like taught me a lot. Yeah, I think it's amazing, actually. So when you're dominating online, were you ever thinking, man, I could probably do this legitimately. I mean, I'm killing it here. I think I could see myself winning the Daytona 500. I mean, did you ever visualize anything like that, or were you just having fun? I think I was always having fun and trying to enjoy the experience, but I had a confidence that I could make it to the cup level. I, I felt like I was I felt like I was talented. I knew I had a natural feel for for the car. So I felt like, um, it always was in the back of my mind, just putting in the work though, to get to that point and be able to get to a point when you can have success at the national level was, was tough. So I definitely felt like, um, each step of the way I was trying to learn as much as I could and, and know in the back of my mind that I felt like I was in the right place. William Byron is joining us. He won the Daytona 500. So what was it like? Like what happened when you actually did first get behind the wheel of a car? What were the early days like on the track? They were intense. I mean, I remember just the first time I got in a race car, that was the most fun I've ever had. And just the uh, the feeling that you get through the car and, and the seat and the, the vibration and speed and noise. And there's just so many senses and, and my adrenaline was uh, spiked and I felt like that was something that I enjoyed and just um, I needed that like in my life to be able to that was what I really wanted to pursue so I think over time the combination of the joy I get driving the car but also competing I think the competition is what really drives me today to go out put you know put a lot of work in and 
and see the fruits of that labor. Okay, see, to that point, you mentioned, or I mentioned, you had a big year last year. You had six wins. You had the most top fives. You had the most top tens. Despite all of that, you did tell reporters last week, you still have a chip on your shoulder. Like, you've proven your point. Even before this past Monday, you had proven your point. Not only do you belong, you are a top driver. So where do you think that chip comes from at this stage of your career? I think, honestly, it just comes from there being more to prove. I think that um, knowing how I got into the sport and knowing how different it was, I feel like there's there's constantly a point to prove and, and more races to go and win. And um, I feel like to make it worth it for all the people that invested in me at an early age to go out there and, and just um, that's what my goal and passion is. So I feel like it's what I'm driven to do. And uh, you never really stop working at that. We're talking to William Byron for a couple of more moments. You mentioned that you enjoy the win and you celebrate that, then you're on to the next thing. See, that's the unique thing about your sport, right? You start with the biggest race of the year. Unlike other sports, you can't walk it off, jump a jet, go to Cabo and celebrate. So how long did you allow yourself to celebrate? And then what's your outlook for this weekend in Atlanta? Because it is a short week after your huge win on Monday. Yeah, it's a really short week. You know, it's, just trying to get rest and try to try to recover. I've got a few uh, things in place that I do every week to recover, um, just uh, physical treatment and also just the mental side, getting enough sleep and, and hydration. So it's really a short week for all those things. So trying to cram a lot into a short amount of time and make sure that, you know, I stay healthy and get, get to Atlanta this weekend because it's, that race is just as important. It pays, you know, just as many points for the win. So we've got a lot of work to do, but, Hopefully when we get to Atlanta, we're ready to go and we can get back in, in our rhythm. Hey, let me ask you this. I think that's interesting what you just said. Of course, like any athlete, rest and recovery is tantamount. It's so important. You talked about, I've got to get proper sleep. I have to hydrate. What about your mental game? What else do you do in terms of recovery or in terms of building your mental game? What kind of things do you do? Yeah, I do a lot of different uh, mental exercises with my trainer. And a lot of that has to do with high stress and high intensity cardio and then and then putting yourself in a state where you're maybe not as mentally sharp where you can answer questions or or process as fast so there's definitely a lot of those things and then and then the mental side i do a lot of um on my on my free time a lot of reflecting a lot of taking notes and and also talking with people that that can allow me to uh to process all that i went through so there's a lot of reflection that i feel like goes on to learn from your past mistakes or success and just be able to have those go-to thoughts that you want to want to approach another race with. That is a pro process right there. One last thought. It's hard to imagine, but Henrik Motorsports is celebrating its 40th anniversary season. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a California native, so I'm kind of partial to the California legends, especially in a sport like NASCAR. For instance, I'm a big Jimmy Johnson guy. Of course, Jeff Gordon. In fact, what's it been like for you to be able to pick up from him or pick his mind as Rolls Henrik's vice chairman? And what's your relationship like with Jeff Gordon? It's pretty cool. I mean, we have a really tight relationship. He's visited my house and, and been over and had, you know, a coffee. And so I feel like we, we're pretty close and uh, we keep in touch, obviously, through the race team, but even outside off the track stuff as well. So I think he's taught me a lot of lessons over the, the last few years and just trying to use him as a mentor to learn how I need to grow as a person. And uh, he's kind of opened me up to all the different aspects of the sport 
that maybe I wouldn't have uh, been aware of had I not talked to him. Uh, he won the Daytona 500 on Monday. NASCAR is in Hampton, Georgia this week for the Am Better Health 400. That's Sunday. He is the driver of the number 24 car, the Chevrolet Camaro for Henrik Motorsports. He is William Byron. William, great conversation. Thanks so much for making time. Congrats on the big win. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, dude. Well done. William Byron. Alvin, I mean, do I even need to say it? Like, that guy fits perfectly in the NASCAR disclaimer. I mean, (laughs) he represents everything that I mention in the NASCAR disclaimer. He checks every single NASCAR box. If you want to go through the process and you have time, Alvin, I'll allow it. Good guy. Top performer. They know what they're doing. Respects the fans. There's no better league to deal with than NASCAR. Gives back, appreciates the sport, has time for the fans. And NASCAR has won me over. I like it. I get it. They call on time. They do good interviews. They have good attitudes. It's big. It's not going away. Good interviews, shows up on time. Every one of those guys is like that. They won me over. I will say for the record, once again, I've done a 180. He's not Tony Stewart. Rusty Wallace is my favorite guest. And if it's not Rusty Wallace, it's Clint Boyer and his bus driver, Curtis. I did not break the pace car. Carl Edwards, class act, Trevor Bain. The best energy, and I love Jeff Gordon. I can't pick favorites, but Jimmy Johnson's my favorite. And Brad Keselowski is right there. He checks every single NASCAR box. If you want to go through the process and you have time, Alvin, I'll allow it. (laughs) Good guy. Top performer. They know what they're doing. Respects the fans. There's no better league to deal with than NASCAR. Gives back, appreciates the sport, has time for the fans. And NASCAR has won me over. I like it. I get it. They call on time. They do good interviews. I'm telling you. Good attitude. Every single one of them. Good interviews. William Byron, especially. And Alvin always can add to the disclaimer even before the interview because we know we found another one. Like, there's never been a bad NASCAR interview. Some are better than others, but none of them are bad. And they're all good dudes. And they're all accessible. I can literally, I can say this right now. NASCAR is so good to deal with. That NASCAR, and I don't know that this is how this went, but I bet anything NASCAR reached out to us before that race and said, you can have the winner. Even before the race, would you like the winner? As long as it's not smoke, we can get you the winner. And sure enough, there he is. Good stuff. Good on you, William. Hour number two coming up. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jim Rome. Phone lines are open. Use them. I'll allow it.